Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. I think we all got to talk about our feelings. All right, all right. Everybody, right, talk on. amongst yourselves. Give us a subject. <laughs> Cows. <laughs> <laughs> Cows, yes. Uh, is milk good for you or not good for you? The calcium. Or is it calcium? <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 31 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have a great honor to have the guest, Dr. Mark Rubin, with us (laughs) from San Jose, California. (laughs) Wow, I'm honored to be here. (laughs) Great friend of Tim Cook. Great friend of Tim Cook. Yes, yes. See the the show notes for the reference there. Um, Okay, so uh, we want to just do some follow-up items. Um, I guess, first of all, all, let's do a follow-up on on the test flight article that was written by Jeff Rames last week. that I put up on the on the show, and we we talked about it a bit, and um, there were a few points in there that that uh, Jaime, uh, I guess, took objection with, or or found that they weren't, you know, in sync with his experience uh, with um, test flight on Apple's test flight beta program, and so uh, Jaime, do you want to throw in in there because uh, some changes, some new developments happened during the week on that subject. Yeah, and I wasn't so much like objection, just I was genuinely confused because I find the new test flight system much more confusing than the old one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to confirm some things, and, and Jeff realized that, oh, um, there's some nuance and subtlety to what he had originally written. And right. to his credit, he was very upfront about that, and he's amended the article, um, which I think we'll put the, the show notes. Mm-hmm. But I, I do believe that uh, you cannot have um, the App Store version of an app and the test flight version of an app installed side by side, unless right. you do something like have a different bundle ID, which of course identifies it as a different app, right? So if you have mm-hmm. development test and production apps that are coming out of your build system, sure, you can absolutely do that. But if one of those matches with the bundle ID of the app store app, you would not be able to have both installed. You would One would overwrite the other. 
Mm. Bundle ID is everything. It's Indeed. everything. Indeed. Yeah. And I think uh, along the same lines, you can't have two um, different versions of an app, you know, being tested at the same time. Again, right. unless you have different bundle IDs, in which case, of course, you can have multiple apps going through TestFly. That's that's unlimited to you as a developer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the first issue is nothing new with the new test flight. It was always like that, even with the old test flight, right? Or with hockey app or, or with anything, any kind of ad hoc, right? You yeah. could never have the, the, uh, app store version and, a and a different version with the same bundle ID on the phone at the same time. Right. Which is right. why so I was confused. Oh, that's why oh, I was oh, confused because oh. the article at that time was written, just make it sound like, oh yeah, so you can have them both side by side and the, and the oh, test flight one I gets see, the little I orange. It's like, oh, gotcha. cool. Maybe it's like in a special sandbox or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like maybe Apple like changes the bundle ID under the covers or something. It says, oh, this is test flight dot mm -hmm. your bundle ID. Right? Yeah, no. So yeah, I thought, no. oh, I'm, I'm missing out on the magic because it's not doing that for yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only, eh? We had an issue with, with and this is kind of unrelated, but it's interesting to know that the app state does change when Apple gets in there because Apple signs the, the app, obviously, when when uh, goes through the App Store process. I'm just saying this because maybe people don't know that, but um, we were having an issue with an app on our, we were testing on our devices that, you know, when we were in beta, a couple of our devices just wouldn't register that we had, um, it wouldn't ask us for location, you know, permission to use locate, core location, right? And uh, even though we were desperately trying to get it to do that. We weren't sure what was going to happen. But once the app was signed by Apple and went through um, and it became the app store version, then it asked us again for if we wanted to opt into location on the same devices that it refused to do while we were testing, mm. which is interesting. Anywho. Yeah. I do have to admit the orange dot is, is actually pretty nice in test flight because there's been millions of times where I've had, you know, test users remotely, uh, not really sure whether they actually installed the latest version or not and confusion mm -hmm. and this and that. And, uh, and this really helps. They just see the orange dot and we're good to go. Right. Right. Same thing for me. That has yep. been really key to making sure that there's no confusion. Mm -hmm. Well, we still, we started in one of our apps, putting the build number in, in the app on a secret page. And so when we were doing support with people, we could ask them for that ID and then, then we'd have an idea what, what they had installed in their device. Mm-hmm. So a test flight app now and see that build number and show you, it'll show you which one is installed. Yeah. You mean on each individual device? Yeah. When you're testing. Yeah. So there, yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about real users in the wild. Right. So like, Oh, with your, in your production with, app. With apps, yeah. With production ah, apps. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Never mind. So, so another item we want to follow up on is on research kit. We talked a little bit about last week, and there was uh, we, we'll post it in the show notes anyway. That's one one uh, Daryl Bayless, friend of the show, has uh, posted an article saying that he's excited about research kit, research kit, but he works in that world. But there was another article um, from PC World talking about the guidelines changing, and uh, we went looking for that. And Jaime, want you to fill us in here. Yeah, so I, I looked at the table of contents looking for something that said research kit and was sad to see that there was no change there. But it right. turns out that it's under section 27 under health kit, which is right. titled health kit and human subject research. So if you're interested in doing research kit stuff, you should probably look there and make sure that any ideas that you have are within the guidelines. All right. And so we want to follow up, I guess, continue our discussion about the Apple Watch um, and... Um, 
you know, it's obviously coming up and there's, you know, a plethora of articles being published. Uh, Serenity Caldwell published in everything you ever wanted to know about the Apple Watch, but we're afraid to ask article. Lots of frequently asked questions. It's a really long document. Um, I went through most of it, but uh, the rest of us have skimmed through it. But um, more importantly than that, Aaron's had a change of heart. An epiphany. Not a change of heart. Put it this way. When the when the Apple Watch was announced, did you think it was going to be successful or not? Hmm. Hmm. By what hmm. criteria, though? I mean, well, by there's... Apple criteria. By Apple criteria. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a that's a difficult one. Going to sell lots of yeah. watches. Yeah. Well, you know, initially you would think that that my opinion was that you know I, I was concerned it would flop in some ways, but you know the the. Uh, the reaction to the last presentation where they revealed the pricing and all that kind of stuff, and it's all over the map, right? Uh, it seems to me that that it is going to be a product that people are going to have and, and, and want to have over the next three or four years, you know? Um, obviously, the early adopters are going to jump in it right away, and, and they're going to watch what the rest – what other people are going to watch what we do with them and ask us, why do you have a watch and what can I do with it, you know? You're waffling, grand- Tim. You're waffling. I'm, right, I'm going me. to take. I'm going to take your very first answer. The first thing that you said All right. was you had doubts about it at the very first. I did. Yes, that's the first thing you said. So that's you. Concerns, uh, Doctor Rubin. Same. I had same I had doubts as well. Yeah. And and Jaime, Jaime, what do you think? I thought it would sell very well, but not necessarily to Apple standards. Like, can it do the iPhone or iPad or iPod level of success? I I didn't think would necessarily be possible. Right. I didn't think it would happen. Can okay. I interject though, just quickly? Like, did you think when the iPhone one first came out, it, did you think that sold to Apple standards? Uh, well, no, I don't think they. Well, because Apple standards have changed since then, right? Two thousand seven oh, okay. Apple standards. Um, you know, it sold modestly, and I think it was very clear to everyone why it sold modestly at the start because it was not a contract device. You couldn't buy it on contract. You had to buy right. it out full price. It was six hundred dollars, uh, and uh, it had a particular limitation about the. It was only on AT and T, right? Yes. Singular, and at the time, and two uh, G only, uh, edge networking only. So right. there were some clear um, compromises being made at the very start that that kept a lot of people away. And the thing is, though, is that when when a lot of us saw the iPhone for the first time, a lot of us, I think, recognized the change in the air that it represented, right? right? right. And there have always been naysayers, God knows. <laughs> but um, I think with the watch, I think there have been more doubters than maybe usual. And I, there's just no way to quantify that, of course. But mm-hmm. um, just going around this table, this virtual table, if you will, we have certainly had our doubts about whether we think the watch will be successful or not by Apple standards. Um and I, I am right there with you. I, I was that way as well. When it first came out, I was like, what the, you know, like it just feels mm. like yet another device that Apple is going to uh, give to us. Uh, and we're going to have to sort of invent whatever killer use case will, will make this the compelling thing to have in the future. Just in the same way that phones are compelling now and to a lesser extent, uh, tablets. But right. Now, now in the last week or so, I've been thinking more and more about the Apple Watch and, and wondering what the killer use case for that is going to be. And one of the thoughts I've come up with 
is a sense of ubiquity. Yeah. A lot of people have spoken about how the watch is a personal thing. It's an intimate piece of technology because it's worn. That doesn't really bring it home to me. It's never really felt like a compelling narrative to tell that this this thing is intimate somehow. Like I that that makes me feel a little creepy. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, in yeah. fact, that whole personal touch thing with drawing little diagrams and sending your heartbeat, um, that really freaks me out, okay? I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Just going to be honest with that. Uh, I don't like the sound of that at all. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, however, uh, one thing that the watch has that an iPhone doesn't have, an iPad doesn't have, a Mac doesn't have, is ease of access, total ubiquity. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is... It is, I guess I'll put it like it's completely effortless to access the things that are electronic in your life. The things that you would normally access on your phone is an an order of magnitude or more easier to do when it's on your wrist. Right. Especially if the UI makes it so. Uh, And by every indication, the watch UI is, um, you know, while it might take some getting used to, it is excellent. It looks excellent. (laughs) It just blows my mind. Excellent. Um, Mm -hmm. I really can't wait to get my hands on it. But the idea that you can get into and interact with something with zero effort, just by raising your wrist, something that is so natural that you wouldn't even think twice about doing it. You would never have that that moment of, uh, as Steve Krug would have said in his book, Don't Make Me Think, of thinking about it and stopping, you know? Uh, should I pull the phone out of my pocket and look at the weather? No. I'll just, like, go into the glance on my watch. And that mm-hmm. is taking me no time at all to do that. You know? So, right. yeah, I'm going to do it more. Or, you know, any kind of idea that you might have for an app becomes dramatically different and more impactful when it's sitting on your wrist instead of in your pocket or on your desk. Well, and it's interesting. It's interesting if I can just jump in for a sec. that. Um, you know, the, the iPhone is, is obviously a communication device. And, and you know, initially, I, I know I said before I had doubts about it when it first came out. And, but, of course, I wanted one, you know, because I'm in it, you know, this, I, and then when I found out I could write apps for it, I wanted one even more. Um, but the iPhone is, you know, it's about communicating with the outside world. It's kind of reaching out, right? And then the iPad came along, and, and you mentioned it last week, Aaron. It, it's more uh, an experience for sharing. Like you might sit down with, with – uh, uh, your significant other and and browse through a magazine as a as a metaphor. Or you might use it as a sort of mini computer, right? To again to access the outside world, to read books, to read magazines, to play games, what have you, right? Whereas the I, the Apple Watch is um, you know in in that Star Trek was about exploring outer space and Jacques Cousteau was about exploring inner space. It's kind of like the watch is now going to be an experience that you have. Your like a private experience you have, like an inner inner experience, if you will, right, mm-hmm. with the outside world or with your technology or the weather or what have you, right? I mean, I remember when I got a watch when I was six years old and and you know struggled to learn how to tell the time, and then then wore watches for thirty five, thirty six years, you know. Um, and then stopped because, you know, I had a cell phone that told me the time, and I didn't need that functionality anymore, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I just I just wanted to throw in and see what you thought about the sort of inner space experience that the app, the watch may or may not bring as a, a killer experience, right? Well, that's a that's an interesting perspective, you know. And the other thing I'd point out, what you had to say there about time 
keeping and time telling mm-hmm. is is how little you'll probably do that of with an Apple Watch, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know the the notion of an Apple Watch is that it, it brings a new paradigm of computing to a location where you would normally be accustomed to getting the time from, mm-hmm. and it's going to do everything but tell you the time at the end of the day, right? Like yeah, yeah. If, if you were to log all your use of the watch through a single day, I think telling the time would be a single digit percentage of those, those interactions. Right. Um, just like using the phone is on an iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. You know, it's, it's a, um, it's the bait and switch to get you in the door. Well, obviously you need something <laughs> on your wrist to tell you the time, but Hey, look what else it can do. All the things, right? It can right, do all right. the things. And the, the problem that Apple's had in communicating the usefulness of the watch is the fact that it, it's still kind of a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Apple's providing a platform. It's going to be up to the developers to fill in the gaps and to develop the apps that make it useful for everyone. And I think we said something to this effect last week that um, we're looking for a killer app, but actually what it's going to be is every niche of humanity is going to find its own killer app. Because the watch is so personal, their use for it will also be just very personal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, let me let me give you an example. I, uh, this week, had an idea for a watch app, um, and it felt like my first genuine idea. And I'm going to tell it to you now, what the <clears> hell, um, because I don't think I'm honestly going to have time to do this. But um, think of the, uh, the way that you could use a watch to store memories or thoughts that you've had. Just random thoughts, just because say you're getting old and you're having a hard time remembering things anymore. <laughs> you, you have thoughts and then they're gone, right? Like uh, if you were lying in bed at night and you had a thought because it's keeping you awake and you just want to record it so you can go back to sleep. Instead of having a pen and paper to write it down, you could use your watch and dictate that thought into this app. And I, I would call it pensive, you know, the, the Harry I, Potter. I was going to say exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pensive, yep. Yeah. Um, you can't call it that, of course, but you could. <laughs> Trademark. Um, yeah. Yes, yes. But, like, think of it as a pensive where you just, you you touch the watch, you say, like, the two sentences that are in your head to summarize your thought, and mm-hmm. it's stored, and you're done. And mm-hmm. the great thing is, like, WatchKit has this dictation API that you can use, uh, like, because you can't do text entry, right? <laughs> so the great thing is, is that you can speak to it, and it'll, it'll go text-to-speech, speech-to-text, sure. sorry, and... Yeah and record your thought and you know you could uh, apply some heuristics to it to categorize your thoughts uh depending on any keywords that you might throw in about how you organize them uh you can come up with all kinds of ideas did you, did you notice that the things app was on the on the screen on uh, the presentation yes yeah that was kind of cool so that yeah. that's exactly that's what i use the app things for that, that exact purpose to yeah. remind myself to do something later on but when you think about an idea like that um you really get struck by what a difference it would make to have it on your watch instead of on your phone or your iPad or your Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Because I suppose if you're sitting at your Mac already and you have a thought, then great. You just like dash off a new note, all right? No problem. But 90% of the time, you're not at your Mac, right? Um, or you're out and about and your your phone is in your pocket and you're like, well, I had a thought, but should I pull my phone out of my pocket, get the <laughs> app open and, and record that thought you know, by typing it in, hunt and peck? On the keyboard, nah, I don't know. Screw it, nah. <laughs> but yeah, with a yeah. watch, right? You could just bring up the app, touch the uh, the dictate button, and say it, and it's done. Right. You know, and I think that immediacy 
um, is 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 what makes it a much more compelling use case. It actually is an argument to me that is in favor of the idea that this is a much more personal and intimate device because it is so much closer to responding to your intentions. I'm getting all Johnny Ive there, but like it, fe- it really does feel like that to me. And I wonder mm-hmm. if the best apps for the watch are going to be the ones that take advantage of that sort of interaction, that immediacy, that the distance between intention in your mind and action on your watch is much shorter than the one between your mind intention and what you do with a phone in your pocket. Well, exactly. I mean, like that, that's one of the most frustrating things about the current phones and, and that is, you know, even with touch ID, you have to take the phone out of your pocket and especially with the six plus, I'm really not enjoying my six plus because of its size now that I'm not wearing winter coats with big pockets, but, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, like it's having to bring it out. Thankfully I like touch ID cause I can open it up and get into things quickly, but you're right. It's, it's not quite fast enough. Like, you know, Carrie Fisher said, instant gratification doesn't come quickly enough, but it's, <laughs> it's that kind of, you know, I, you, you want to get that done. And uh, interesting point about the, your, your, your use case there is that, um, you know, obviously people use technology and they use devices and they use things differently. Like I'm still going to, I still have pieces of paper with envelopes with, with notes written all over them because that's just a faster way to get to get the thought down than, you know, fumbling for a phone. I'm not a key, I'm not a touch typer. So for me, using a keyboard isn't even that efficient, right? So Oh, interesting. Yeah. So for me, like, because I don't touch type, you know, I mean, and I can type quicker than most people can because I'm on the keyboard all the day. But for me to write a really long email, it's frustrating. I'd, you know, I'd rather just, you know, make some notes or, or say it into a device. And, and I'm, I've been waiting for dictation to come to the Mac forever. In fact, I've, you know, written entire articles using Mac dictate and stuff like that as well. Well, yeah, I think, you know, dictation is on the Mac now and it's, uh, it works very well, but it's not, it's not a natural interaction with that computer. I don't think. Right. Right. Um, and I, I wonder, and I'm, I'm very curious to find out whether, um, speech interaction because becomes something much more compelling on the watch, Mm -hmm. uh, because it looks like they've really figured it out. You know, every example we've seen and we're like, we can see it on the phone too, you know, our, our speech interactions with Siri are dramatically better than they were back when Siri was introduced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you've got real-time feedback now. Like, it, it actually does recognition as you speak. Um, sure. And, and its quality is really, really good these days. I don't know. Have you noticed that? Is that just me? Well, I, I use I use Siri all the time now. I, I, I sometimes get into this large metal object, and I travel from w- my house to the hockey rink, and mm-hmm. you know I'll think of something that I need to do. So I'll say you know text my wife or call Mark you know Mark on his cell phone, that kind of stuff. And you know Siri kind of just does that for you. And even I, what I think is kind of cool is you can now correct Siri's pronunciation of of people's names. You know, um, and and. She's a brilliant woman. She remembers this stuff. But yeah, totally. Like I have, I've been using Siri since it came out and this is, it's much better now. I can actually, you know, dictate text messages to people and not have it, you know, I, the, the keyboard autocorrection is worse than the, the, the speech to text correction. Yeah. So Tim, wow. does your Siri use Canadian pronunciation or American pronunciation? Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny. There, there's a great, there's a great, uh, maybe I'll find it and put it in the notes, but there's a YouTube thing of, of a Scottish guy trying to order a jammy Dodger. Oh God, I is, saw that. Mm, yeah, That's ages. Yeah. 
very old. Well, but but it, it's hilarious, right? But but it, it, I was actually thinking about that today because you know uh, I often use when I'm when I'm busy working on the things and I've got my hands full, I'll you know I'll highlight the text on my screen and I'll have my uh, my Mac read me like read use the speech uh, synthesis to read me somebody's article. And you know, like for instance, Daryl Bayless, he's he's uh, from Liverpool, I think, right? And because he was on the uh, a podcast a couple of weeks ago and. Um, you know, when I when I highlighted his article that and had the Mac read it to me, I'm thinking, well, how come I can't choose a Liverpudlian accent? You know, and and I and I wonder, does does Siri speak with a British accent and intonation if you're in the UK? I think it does, right? They, they have localized uh, accents, you know, for right, right. Yeah. So, so is Mark's computer speaking California to him, or no? It's the same one that we hear, <laughs> but. <laughs> Valley speak. Does it trip on the use? Yeah, it, it gives driving directions whenever you uh, try to talk to it, or you know, you, you have to take the take the uh, the eighty over to. Anyway, that's a yeah reference oh. to the Californians. Salar, yeah, yeah, Saturday Night Live, anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is actually kind of like that. Out here. No way, yeah. <laughs> way. All right, so yeah, as if. Um, so, Aaron, you were continuing on about the Apple Watch experience and why it's going to be so awesome and cool. Yeah, I, I think I've I've concluded the, the the majority of my thoughts on this topic. But oh, okay. suffice okay. to say that um, having had those thought experiments, I am much more bullish on the future of the Apple Watch than I was at first. I yeah. am also uh, as it, considerably more excited about getting my watch uh, when it comes yeah. out. Um, I don't know if it makes sense to build the app I was discussing. Uh, as you say, Clear and yeah. probably others are are also there and may, may mm-hmm. use similar functions. But mm-hmm. um, still a neat thing to do. And what the heck? Who well, knows? my wife has been coming up with all kinds of use cases because, you know, we've, we're, we're at the point in our life where, where our parents are now, you know, needing us to take care of them, right? And we went through that with her parents that are no longer with us, but we went through their decline over the last, you know, eight or 10 years. And, and then now my mother's, uh, we're dealing with my mom. But so how you interact with seniors is, is what Carol's been talking about with the watch. She just thinks it's going to be a great thing for people to make apps to help um, manage seniors. Like, you know, because you've got the health, the, the heartbeat monitor, maybe there's an app that can be written to, you know, notify, uh, you know, uh, another family member if there's an issue with, uh, with, Watch. In fact, I even heard today that um, the watch will turn. Oh, it was in that article by Serenity Caldwell. I think that if when you take the watch off, it knows the sensors know that there's nobody wearing it. For instance, right? Which might, by the way, make development a little difficult if you're going to use your watch on a stand and you're developing apps for it. But um, yeah. I, I have but, a hard time thinking that you would have access to that data though within an app. No. Well, so I mean, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, I think it. I think it depends on. on we don't know what, what you're going to have access to. It, right now, we have very little access to apps or, or data. We have, you know, it's kind of like uh, uh, I don't call them views. Um, they're, they're, you know, it's, you have views to your apps. You know, there's uh, not much interaction that goes between your app and the um, and the wa- or the phone. Like for instance, you can't things like you can't enter data and stuff like that on the watch. You see the data on the watch, but uh, and you can respond to notifications and glances, but. There's not a lot of two-way stuff yet available to us. We're hoping that in the future we'll be able to, you know, do standalone apps for the for the watch, um, and uh, you know, have more functionality available to us. But right now, there's very, it's kind of limited what you can do with a watch kit. 
you know, for the start. But, um, but anyway, it's just, it, she's been spitballing all these ideas about, you know, what you could do, how the watch is going to make a life better. And interestingly enough, I'm doing a talk on Monday, just to, as a part of a speech I have to give. And I was actually thinking about writing a speech for a, a non-technical group of people about why they will one day be wearing an Apple watch. Discuss. What, you want us to give you your talk for you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Well, here's some ideas I have, right? So related to seniors. So Mm. um, I think one, proximity, right? So using something like a beacon solution. Has has this person left the house? Which room do they happen to be in? Have they not moved in a while type stuff? Yeah. Um, I would think that uh, something similar to like the medic alert bracelet that has information. I'm not sure how that would work. Um, price precisely, but the like, yeah. Hey, like, uh, I'm allergic to such and such. I'm taking these medications, you know, those sort of things that emergency responders can get access to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also think something like the, I cannot remember the name of this product, but it's, you know, the commercials, everybody remembers like, you know, fallen, help, I, I fall and I can't get up. Like I'm sure that's a very good single use product. I, I imagine there's probably issues convincing some seniors to have, you know, that because it's like you're you're putting like a leash on a person is like what I would guess it would feel like. But if it's just an app. You're bang on. I can tell you exactly because because uh, all of them have them um, at my at my uh, uh, Carol's stepfather's house. We had to install. Uh, he, he wore a button that was like a like look like a watch strap. Right. But he would put it in the drawer and he would forget to put it on because as you get older, you forget these things. But in the kitchen, we had them halfway up the counter. So if he had fallen in the kitchen, he could just, you know, he only had to reach up 18 inches to touch the button and, and call for help. And my mother's struggling with trying to wear a button right now because she's in a in a retirement home and has to push a button to call for help when she's fallen over and can't get up. You know, mm-hmm. it does actually happen, believe it or not. And but so Carol's point about the watch is, you know, with a phone, my mom has a cell phone, but it's in her drawer. It's not charged and she's not using it. Right. Um, we can't get her to carry it around with her. We can't even teach her how to dial the phone at this point in her life, right? But with a, with an Apple Watch, you know, then maybe you can. Another case Carol was talking about today was was you know pill reminders. Like uh, when you get older, you 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 know, did I take my pill? Oh, I better take my pill. And then what happens is seniors end up overdosing because they've forgotten that they've taken the, their pill or that they fed the dog or something. And when she was talking about this, I was thinking, well, maybe you make a little pill box that uses the the watch to open the pill box. Right. And so you push the button, the senior would push the button on the, the watch. It would open up the pill box, give them their daily dose. And then the next time they go and try and open that, bo- that box again, the phone, the watch could remind them that you've already taken that pill. Right. And, and things like that, that, that could be, you know, sort of a two way communication or, or using the Bluetooth, low, low energy Bluetooth to open devices and stuff like that. Right. That's actually a really uh, good idea, Tim. I like that. Yeah. This is gold. Man. Yeah. That's yeah. St- that stuff would make it into an Apple presentation. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, like the, the other day I, I, I uh, sent some money to a Kickstarter. I can't remember the name of the product, but, um, it's, it's a, a lock that it's a, a lock that unlocks your deadbolt on your door that fits over standard locks. Right. So it's, oh, yeah. it's There's a, a sandwich video case. about that. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, I, I threw them 89 bucks. What the hell? It sounds like a great idea as opposed to the wiser lock for $250. Don't sue me wiser. Um, lower your, lower your prices. Um, but the, uh, the, um, you know, the cool thing about that is you can use your, your phone right now to and your pocket and you can walk up to the to the, um, to the lock and unlock it. Or you can actually tap, you, you can write a, a 
compose a special knock and have it recognize your knock as being you and then open the door for you. Or you can, I can, if Aaron wanted to come to my house and I wasn't going to be home, I can email Aaron a key that he can then push on his phone and unlock my door. All these kind of cool things. But I mean, th those kind of can extend over to the watches as well, I would think. Right? Totally. Mm -hmm. Sesame, that's what it was called. Open Sesame, yeah. Open Sesame. Yeah, so I mean, there's lots of you know, and again, this is just the beginning of where where, where the watch is what the watch is going to do for us, right? In terms of um, convenience to our data, like like Aaron was saying, like you know, you, you know, uh, your phone buzzes. I've got the giant phone from you know hell that I can't get out of my pocket, or you know, but I can look at my watch and see what the what the uh, what the notification is, right? Yeah, for me, the, the appeal of the of the iWatcher or the Apple Watch, sorry, is is all about Apple Pay. And yeah. passbook. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah I'm, sure. I'm going through airports all the time these days, and you know, pulling a bag and have a backpack, and you know, my hands right. are full. Sometimes right. I have a cup of coffee, and and pulling out that phone just to sweep it, it trying to get on the plane, uh, mm -hmm. is a pain, right? And if I could just have a yeah. watch right there that I just kind of reach over and boom, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And Apple Pay, you know, I, uh, I think I was saying last week, I, you know, I would use. I would use Apple Pay everywhere if it was possible. I think it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I have I have a little sling that I wear around my neck that I put my passport and my boarding pass in, so I have my hands free. But I feel like a moron walking through the airport with it. Right? <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> it's like a fanny pack, right? <laughs> like, yeah. look, there's a tourist. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it literally it just hangs and you know and it gets in the way. So when you sit in your chair and you're in, on the plane and you want to put it, it's a pain in the ass to pull it off your head and. Uh, but yeah, you, you, I look like I feel like a real you know kindergarten kid walking through the airport, right? You know, with my with my passport pinned to my sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Please let me into your country. You know. <laughs> well, I was going to say one thing more about that. In that, um, uh, to address the criticism about the watch, that it, mm. it, you know, okay, great, it only saves you like you know seconds per interaction. Um, right. Uh, my response to that is actually uh, that's actually really super compelling. <laughs> and, uh -huh. um, yeah. Um, you know, people made fun of the iPad because it was just a big iPod Touch, and uh, <laughs> that turned out to be a really useful product, actually. And I think it's yep. going to be the same thing for the Apple Watch too, uh, for the reasons mm -hmm. that we discussed, right? Like having having uh, quicker access does actually change the way you interact with something, and I think people are going to find that out very quickly when the Apple Watch comes out through people who buy them and, and the people that those who bought them show it to. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of ad hoc demos out in the real world. Because this is something that's very visible, right? Like, if, if you're yeah. out in public, you're, people are going to see that you've got one of these things on. Yeah, yeah. And once you get over the embarrassment of, oh my god, I can't believe I spent $600 on this thing. Well, people are going to approach you and, and say, well, okay, so come on. You idiot! Why'd you spend six hundred dollars on that? Show me your watch. What, what's yeah, the big deal? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I have a feeling that there will be enough use cases that uh, you're going to make a persuasive case for why you bought that watch. Right. Well, there's another interesting, another interesting thing. I don't know if you guys listen to the Rocket Podcast at all. Do you guys know that one? No, no, not at all. Uh, it's it headed by uh, by Brianna Wu and um, Christina Warren and and um, uh, Simone de Rochefort and. It's an interesting conversation because it's three women in tech, right? One one's uh, worked for a blogger, I think, and Brianna is a game developer, and Christina Warren, and it's amazingly knowledgeable 
uh, tech writer. Um, and they, it's funny because they get into really heavy duty tech uh, talks. They had a really interesting talk in last week's show about the watch as a fashion accessory. And they were totally, you know, they, they, they went, they went off the deep end as, as girls in a sense, talking about how this is totally a fashion statement. You know, they, they didn't want to get the, the watch with the bulky rubber band. They wanted to get the leather band because this is now about how they appear. Sort of like Aaron was saying last week about people are going to know he bought the lower, the lowest watch because he's got the white rubber band, right? Or the, Fluoromastometer, 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 yeah, anyway, whatever, ding, Um, yeah, the rubber one, Um, but, but interesting point about that was, was, was their perspective on, you know, it's sort of interesting to hear from their, they sound genuinely excited about this watch, I mean, they're all three, uh, you know, geek girls, sort of totally into Apple swag and all that kind of stuff and games and what have you, but talk to hear their, their uh, rationale about the watch. I totally, after hearing that broadcast, think that the Apple watch is going to sell like hotcakes, right? Um, but another thing I wanted to bring back was something that Aaron said earlier about the uh, the little heartbeat thingy or the little secret message, whatever. Um, you know, the, the getting getting the having Mark write you know, make a little heart on his thing and send it over to Aaron. Yeah, well, Mark is totally going to do that. <laughs> that's creepy. What? That's yeah. But but imagine Aaron for a minute. If you know, it's a couple of years down the road. Now your daughter has inherited your first watch, and she sends you in the middle of the day a heart. Isn't that going to mean something to you? And that's yeah. a ah oh, moment. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, because my my two grandsons they're they're uh, they're turning twelve and ten this year. They both one's got an iPad and one's got an iPod Touch, and they they both chose those as their devices. Before that, they you know were using our extra iPads and our extra fo- iPhones and all that kind of stuff. But they're totally they're, so now I'm getting text messages from them, and they FaceTime us all the time to talk, you know, and that's cool. There's nothing. I mean, I, I know that Jaime and, and Mark don't have kids yet, but when your kid reaches out to you, it's totally a, a unique experience you know and i think that in in this is just another avenue for people to be able to you know send you a private message one-to-one uh about that it's not like you know going on twitter and saying hey happy birthday aaron you know well i mean the thing that you got to do though is is get a watch for everyone in your family right and make sure they have iphones too yeah that's the key (laughs) so i'm not going to know about that for for years from now yeah, I think I think that there there's I mean, but that's a, that's a thing that's always sort of struck me as as a, a bit odd. You know, when you're when you when you're struggling to buy that first iPod Touch for for your kid or your your grandson or whatever your granddaughter, um, and you got to hit that two hundred dollar price point. You know, that's a lot of technology to put in a kid's hand. You know, and you want to go oh, yeah. get the Griffin waterproof case and the whole nine yards, right? Um, which we did in, in <laughs> our cases, but uh, you know. It's a lot of technology to, to spend on it, you would think, on a kid. But at the end of the day, you know, like kids these days all run around with cell phones. I mean, don't, don't the kids in, in the state where you guys are in the States have cell phones? And that would be, do they not have cell phones? Um, my daughter is 11. Uh, she's in grade six. And yeah. there's maybe a f- two to three kids in her class have phones. Right, like right. Like old, old iPhones, like iPhone right. 4s and 4Ss. Right. Um, my girl has a an iPod touch, the current yeah. fifth, the, the latest version, which is now two and a half years old. Yeah, but, yeah. um, uh, that's what she has, but she tends to borrow my iPad and my iPhone a lot. Sure. Sure. Well, and, and, and mind you, you're, you're in Whippy and it's, it's a 
no offense, but it's a smaller community. I'm in Toronto. I'm down in Riverdale. Oh, I'm in Toronto. I'm down with this. I see kids. I see kids all the time walking back and forth to school. You know, they'll be like in, in herds of three or four at a time. And at least two or three of them have devices in their hand. And, and at least in the majority of cases, it's an iPhone. Right. Whether it's a hand me down iPhone or something. But, you know, here where, you know, there's there's all kinds of nasty people around. People want to know that they can that their kids can get a hold of them and that they, they can get a hold of their kids. You know, so I think that that's going to extend it itself into the watch down the road. You know, um, you know, like I said, the, the price point for me is is, you know, a little upsetting, you know, because because I. I you know, I want to know there's a whole, I want to know there's like $450 worth of technology in this watch as opposed to an iPod, you know, those little clip-on shuffles that I used to have, you know. All right, let's go around the table like we do every week and we'll see if anybody has any picks and we'll go alphabetically to Aaron. Ah, uh, alphabetical by first name, I see. Okay, let's talk about... Oh, would you like to go by last name? We can go no, last no, name no, it's fine. I've started talking. <laughs> so... Um, I'd like to do a little shout out to NS North, the conference coming up in April. And mm-hmm. this is the, I would like to think of it as our Canadian tech conference for iOS and other tech minded folk. And, mm-hmm. um, at Taco, our Toronto area, Coco and web objects user group meeting last week, um, we had Philip Casgrain from, uh, Ottawa come out and talk to our group about the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that Tim and Jaime are going. I am super jealous. I wish I could go. The conference is uh, April 10th to 12th, so it's coming up really soon, actually. It's just a few weeks yeah, away. Three, three weeks ago, I think. Yeah, three. crazy. So uh, they mm-hmm. still have tickets available, and so mm-hmm. you should go and buy the tickets if you are at all inclined to do so. The, the 12 speakers that they have lined up look terrific. Um, Jim Dalrymple. Jim Dalrymple. Well, except for him. Yeah, I'm not no, but, no, he's going to he's going to be there. Mark Pelvitis is going to be there. You know? Yep, Mark and uh, uh, JP Simar from Realm, Jonathan Penn. Dow. You know Jonathan yeah. Penn from from, from that company that he can't talk about. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else and we who got else? here? Uh, Ashley uh, Nelson Hornstein. We got Chris, Krista Mergen, Vanessa Logan, Chris Lissio. Mm-hmm. Got like such a great lineup of speakers. Georgia Dow, Gord Fontenot. Love that mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that Jim Dalrymple guy. I don't trust him. But um, <laughs> a lot of great speakers. And in a great location, too, the, the Fairmont, Le Chateau Montebello. Mais in oui. Canada, yes, just an hour between, right between, smack between Ottawa and Montreal. So mm-hmm. uh, take a look at the site, nsnorth.ca, and you can look for ticket info. Reasonably priced. Uh, just can't do it this year myself. So... The, the the other thing is like this is there's no announcement about this but I, I probed Philippe a little bit uh, at Taco last week and I got the sense that this might be the last one I don't know really? I don't know if that's true or not but uh, mm. there's a lot of work that goes into this stuff and yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling that uh, he's he's having thoughts about this might be the last one I don't know that's pure speculation on my part there's yeah. nothing official in that. But I uh, just wanted to be said, this could be your last chance to go. Well, I can say that I went to the one last year, um, and it was quite good. And it was a lot of a great not networking opportunity for other iOS developers, you know, even even if Jaime's coming. Um, you know. <laughs> what now? <laughs> <laughs> Jaime, but, you just uh, got schooled, bro. I know. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, you know, you get to teach Jaime all about uh, being Canadian and stuff like that. But um, uh, it, it is a great talk. I mean, and I've, I, to this day, I mean, I'm still pulling out conversations and, and, and talks that I saw at that show. I mean, that's where I saw Charles Perry talk about, you know, the business of apps and all that kind of stuff. And uh, there's a, there was a talk on uh, by another lady, I can't remember her name, but I'll put it in the show notes, uh, 99 things you need to do before you ship your app, you know, um, and that was a good, good, uh, good piece on marketing your app. Um, but lots of business related stuff. It's a, it's a great bunch of people. You, I mean, I met people who, you know, work, you know, in, uh, from out in Seattle. In fact, um, one of the guys works for Walmart out there. Um, and, uh, you know, you meet all kinds of really interesting, interesting dudes in, in this conference. And it's, it's kind of like, and it's similar to the expert. Huh? And do debts. It's not just guys that are there. Uh, yeah. Just want to throw that out there. But yeah, well, it's a great conference. Uh, I was there two years ago, and okay. uh, I, I also made a lot of great contacts that uh, have have proven uh, lucrative over the years. So mm, uh, lucrative. definitely lucrative. Hello, money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it helps me keep a living. I can put bread on the table. This is great news. So go to the conference, and that's that's right. actually where you get to meet people. It's one of the it's one of the great things about conferences. So right. uh, and this is an excellent one. And the great thing, they take care of everything. Like you go in there, you pay your money, and um, that's it. They it's all there in the same place. Uh, mm-hmm. the foods included. And they just all take care of you uh, 100%. So check it out. Now, and now if you're inter- interested, in, just before, one more last note on NS North. If you, apparently, if you, br- if you play an instrument bring, and you can bring your instrument, there will be a, a jam session, I believe, on the, on the first night or the second night. No doubt Dalrymple's doing. Mm. Um, okay. So Maybe. the other thing I wanted to mention while I was talking about Taco was a uh, friend of the show, Farley Caesar, uh, mm-hmm. did a talk on functional programming using Swift. Um, so Swift is not by definition a functional programming language, but it has a lot of functional aspects to it, I guess you might say. And mm-hmm. Farley uh, has a longstanding interest in functional programming. So he took to Swift uh, as, as a fish to water, one might say, and mm-hmm. and gave, gave Taco a, a lovely tour of the whole thing in his presentation last week, about an hour and 10 minutes. Tim recorded it using his trusty iPhone 6 Plus and posted mm-hmm. it on YouTube, and we'll include the link in the show notes. Yeah, actually, Farley posted it, but we, yeah, we'll, we'll have the link Whatever, there. yeah, yeah. And, and, and he sent me his deck, so so I was I didn't have a rig, so I had to hold my phone up. I, I was expecting a 20-minute conversation, not, you know. I don't know why you uh, thought that. That's It's it's a real presentation. It's like an hour. Yeah, well, some of them are, are pretty brief. Like, I, I do remember Darren's from what you mentioned last week, and it was, it was short. But anyway, I wasn't expecting it to be that long. I wasn't expecting a Spanish Inquisition, but anyway, there you go. Um, <laughs> Nobody expects a Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Here we are. Three main tools are. Um, anyway, um. The so so Farley gave me his slide deck and and I, I amazingly I shot it on my iPhone six plus which was just slagging a few minutes ago, and it, it came out like even though I was holding it in like handheld it did come out fairly stable. Um, I did get tired from time to time and had to drop my hand, but the um, he gave me a slide deck and I and and you could the quality of the shot it came out like nineteen hundred and it was like as large as my monitor the video when it was finished. Yeah, you could actually read the slide the slides on the wall as it were, but he gave me the slide deck. And so I, I went through and I edited the, the talk and I, I, you know, as he's talking, I brought up the slide. So if you look at the video online, you can actually see the slide deck as he goes through it. And it's, it's actually quite well done. So it was a wow. great talk. It was interesting introduction to, uh, 
to the concept. I mean, I had no no con- no conscious idea that that functional functional programming was a thing. And then once, but once he explained some of the things you could do with it, it kind of made a lot of sense. So check it out. Check it out. All right, those are my picks. I'm done. So Jaime, do you have any picks? I do, and it's a blog post by. Um, wow, I'm gonna butcher this name. Kai or K Schaller mm-hmm. um, is a iOS and web developer over at a uh, design group, a design firm, I should say, over in St. Louis. And he's got a short little blog post about having uh, iOS video backgrounds in your apps. So mm-hmm. I've seen some of the apps he's talking about, like Spotify, that have these wonderful full screen, you know, edge to edge, you know, full bleed videos that just kind of give you like a sense of the lifestyle mm-hmm. that you're joining with some of these apps, or at least what they're trying to convey. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed that it was uh, a little bit more complicated than it turns out to be, but it's, I don't know, fewer than 20 lines of code to just use a video file, uh, set the scaling mode, making it full frame playing, and then using uh, notification center uh, observation to figure out that, oh, you know, playback's finished, so go ahead and play it again in a loop. Mm. And it's a pretty nice effect. And I, I looked at the example that he gave and it's what twenty eight kilobytes for the video file that backs this, so it doesn't have to be huge, yeah. you know, huge, and it looked just fine on my uh, iPhone six plus, even with the the really large high you know high res screen. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that, uh, Jaime, because I did exactly this just last week uh, hmm. for the project I'm working on right now. Oh, and, really? Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I didn't use his approach. I used AV Player which is very similar and, yeah, and still yes. really, and really modern. easy. Yeah, but but it actually looks like his version, which is MP Media Player or Media Controller, whatever it's called, uh, is actually even easier than the, than the information mm. I came up with. So really nice. Cool. Yeah, actually, um, AV Player is the newer framework, and you should not be using MP Movie Player Controller anymore mm. um, because – uh, it's it's going away. I think I think that's the messaging that Apple's sending about that. But mm-hmm. yes, uh, it is easier to use, <laughs> uh, which is unfortunate. I think AV Player is going to get easier to use as time goes on. Though. Yeah, it it wasn't by any means difficult to use. No uh, AV Player. Well, my pick is kind of an interesting one. Uh, I was again uh, talking to some people online, and we were talking about moving from one computer to another. Uh, this uh, tool by on GitHub by Laurent Rafast. He posted a, a, a tool that basically uh, it allows you to sync your uh, environment from one computer to another. So in other words, like your your Bash shell and your Git repos and your Git configurations and all that kind of stuff back and forth. And it's called Mac Up. Um, and so it keeps the application uh, settings synced between two different computers. A little bit more than, you know, similar to how you have your some of the sharing stuff that you have. Uh, through iCloud, but uh, this is a different kind of thing. I think, and it uses Dropbox as a as a transport mechanism to to share between the two devices, right? So, but it's it's kind of a neat thing. Again, if you're if you're frustrated, like if you have a machine at home and you have a machine at work, and you want to basically have you know your shell environment be the same, or your all your you know where your stuff is stored, you can use this tool to um, sync your devices between two places. And it supports all kinds of applications. And there's a big giant list on the, on the Git repo, and I'll, I'll post a link to that in the show notes. So uh, I guess that's it. And so if we wanted to find Aaron Vay on the interwebs, where would we look? Go to Twitter at Aaron Vay. And if we want to find Jaime? 
Twitter at DevOfTheHair and my blog, DevOfTheHair.com. Have you added any more articles recently? I did. I added one about gently <laughs> guiding users to do the right thing. Cool. Totally read yeah. that. Mark, where can people find you? Mark R at SmapSoft.com. Okay, and I'm Tim Mitra on Twitter and uh, my blog, IT-Guy.com. And, of course, you can reach out to any of us through our podcast uh, Twitter handle, mtjc underscore podcast, and at the website, mtjc.fm. So that's it. We'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast for account is at mtjc underscore podcast if you'd like to support us you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc you can provide as little as a dollar amount any amount helps however you're free to do as you please thanks again for listening all right so okay okay mark go, go aaron real talk you ready for real talk mark sure i looked at that picture of you and tim cook okay yep yep yeah <clears throat> real talk mark is that All a real right. picture it is a real picture get the <laughs> hell out of here because you know i looked at the lighting in that picture and i the thought i had was that you kind of looked differently lit than tim Okay, well, here let, let me let me let me defend Mark here for a minute. Okay, that is not the original photograph you saw, right? Okay, well, I need to but see the this picture. Photo- actually, where where is the, this picture? The, uh, I'll send you, I'll, I'll send you the original one. Thank you. The original photograph actually was um, underexposed on the people, so I went into Photoshop and I you know did the dual duplicate layer, did the screen thing, and and got it so that they were better lit, right? Oh. So I, I did comment on Twitter that it looks like Mark is a cardboard cutout. Uh, I didn't see that comment, but that's what that's well, what I was so, thinking. Well, so so exactly because it it kind of it makes them kind of flat. I didn't really go in. I just wanted to put it up there on Twitter as fast as I could because I thought it was off, awfully cool, right? Yeah. But you know, Mark Rubin, Doctor Mark Rubin, is so famous that Tim Cook has to carry around a cutout of him. <laughs> that makes sense. That I understand. <laughs> I didn't even know you tweeted it, Tim. <laughs> I tweeted it with your handle too, oh, Such okay. as, like you'd ever <laughs> <Mr>. see it. <laughs> well, Mister Mister Cameron, who we met down at uh, in uh, Denver for 360 iDev, uh, commented on on the picture yesterday too. So, mm. well, can you tell us about the circumstances? Yeah, it's actually not nearly so exciting. Um, well, I just happened to be in Palo Alto yesterday, killing some As time uh, before meeting meeting up with some friends. Uh, so I went into the wandered into the Apple Store which is right on University Ave in downtown Palo Alto. And, uh, you know, I walked in and I, and I kind of noticed this, this sort of crowd of people standing by the door and, and I look over and, and there's Tim Cook. So, so I, I pull out my camera as he's walking into the store and I, and I take a first picture of him. And, you know, he smiled and he walked over to me and shook my hand and said hi. He just walked uh, over to you? Like, why yeah. you? Because I was, because I was standing. Well, there's that, uh, <laughs> and I was just standing, you know, five feet away from him taking a picture. Uh, so he came over, shook my hand, and then the guy who was with, which I'm guessing was like the store manager or something, uh, yeah. asked me if he wanted uh, 
if you if if I wanted him to take a picture. So I handed him my phone, and he took a picture of us, and that was that. Ah, oh, that's so awesome. What did yeah, he say to was, you? It was pretty cool. We didn't what really say, say much. He said, hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you. You know, Love that, your work. That was it. And then he was, you know, then he was on to talking to the next person. So, yeah, it didn't last that long. Still, that is absolutely – What an experience. Yep. This is what, I, this is what you get for living in California. That's right. Back. Living in oh, Silicon yeah, Valley. No doubt. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that, apparently that store, you know uh, – um, Steve Jobs used to go to that store on on iPhone days, like whenever they had iPhone releases, and uh, so did um, Wozniak goes there a lot too. Yeah, technically it wouldn't have been this store that, that Steve Jobs went to because uh, they just opened it maybe a year or so ago. Um, oh, another another store in Palo Alto. But, yeah, yeah, but there was another store two blocks down the street that they closed to open this bigger, much oh, bigger, okay. much fancier one. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's fantastic. Wow, yeah. congratulations cool. on a, a wonderful experience, Mark. Yeah, it was fun. All right, here's me going. I'm actually doing this on my iPad. I see. Aaron's feelings. Oh, what am I doing? Oh, we didn't have to write that down. About the Apple Watch. Okay, all right. Period. But isn't that what this podcast is, should be called? Aaron's feeling about fill in the blank? Well, you know, yeah. It's, <laughs> what the hell just happened there? I don't did know. That, it was interesting. Did that actually happen? Like, <laughs> Aaron's yeah, feelings, tab space, about the app? That's live. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's a glitch. Mm-hmm. Anyway, suffice to say, I've got feelings, and we should talk about. Because as it is, I mean, there's a there's a typo in the table of contents because it just says health kit on the table of contents, mm. and clearly that title is health kit and human subject research, section twenty seven. Indeed. Cool. It's like it's okay. like amateur hour down there in Cupertino. <laughs> you know, if only if only Mark had been able to say something to Tim. Yeah, I better call my friend Tim. Talk yeah, to him. T- call him up. Yeah. Listen, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Next time you run into him at the Apple Store, this has got to be yeah. the first thing you say to him. Mm-hmm. You know, the TOC on your uh, uh, review guidelines—they're they're screwed up, right? Like, why haven't you yeah. fixed that yet? Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.